if you were to die tonight, straight, straight up with this question, if you were to die tonight, would you say you've lived a successful life? Will you have any regrets? Have you ever asked yourself, what will your epitaph say? How will you be remembered after you're gone? And what legacy are you leaving behind? Now ask this again. If you, if you were to die tonight, would you say you've lived a successful life? Will you have any regrets? And what would success look like for you, I wonder? How would you define success? For a typical Asian, in my generation anyway, uh, it used to be becoming a CEO or a lawyer or something that would make your family proud and that would make lots of money. Uh, obviously, it might not be the case anymore. And maybe, maybe success for you is simply passing your GCSE or getting a good grade for your A-levels. Or maybe it's to get into the best medical school to become the top brain surgeon in this country. Or success is to become rich and famous, maybe. Or maybe success is that you, you get married, but you can carry on and do your job that you love and then have this sense of uh, significance or uh, importance or accomplishment. Or maybe, maybe your ambition is less like mine. For me, success might be no one falls asleep tonight. Um, looking at our passage today, Jesus, Jesus then began to teach the disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things, that's plural, to be rejected by the elders, that's plural again, the chief priests, plural, the teachers of law, all plurals. Not only was Jesus going to suffer and to be humiliated, but also he's going to suffer many, many things, multiple times for many people, then to be killed. And we were told by Jesus it was his plan. Was all that necessary? Uh, just before Jesus started, talking about his plan, this suicide mission. And if you still have your Bible open, uh, page 1012, look at the bit right before our passage today, from verse 27 onwards. Jesus had just asked his disciples, who do they think he is? And out of all the answers, Peter said, you are the Messiah, yay, yay, go MJ. Uh, that's right, Jesus is the Messiah, which means Christ. So if you hear Jesus Christ, it means Jesus the Messiah, uh, which also means the anointed or the chosen one. And for someone to be anointed or chosen, that person is to hold a God-ordained purpose. The Messiah was the anointed one who would come to save God's people. So agreeing what Peter just said about him being the Messiah, verse 
31. Uh, Jesus then began to speak about his role as the Messiah, plainly. Not only did Jesus talk about having to suffer, but he also plainly spoke about how he would be killed then to rise again. Now, if you, if you were one of Jesus' disciples, what would you think when he told you that plan? How would you respond to the disclosure of his suicide mission? Peter, taking Jesus to the side, said, come on, Jesus, are you sure? He rebuked Jesus, said, didn't you cast the demon out before? Didn't you heal the paralyzed man? Didn't you just calm the storm not long ago? Didn't you just feed 5,000 people? Then 4,000 people. Look, didn't you just walk on the water? Didn't you just open the eyes of that blind man? Not to mention you have raised a little girl from the dead. I mean, Jesus, you have plenty time and you have pretty much proved that you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. Come on, Jesus. Couldn't you just do something super cool like what you did before? Maybe, maybe send angels down to wipe out all the bad people. Must you go through and go on to your suicide mission? Verse 33, Jesus turned around looking at other disciples. As tempting as Peter's suggestion sounds, Jesus knew he must die. There's no other way to properly carry through his salvation plan. Imagine Jesus thinking, if I don't carry through with my mission to die as the Lamb of God, to become the substitute for all their sins, there's no way they'll be saved. They have to die. They have to pay for their penalty for their own sins. If I don't fulfill my role as the Messiah, looking behind, looking at Peter, get behind me, Satan, he rebuked Peter. Now, I don't think Jesus was literally equating Peter to Satan. But perhaps Jesus was reminded of the time that he was tempted in the desert by Satan. Uh, Satan tempted Jesus to give in to the needs of his body. When he was tired and hungry and weak, uh, Jesus, even though he was fully God, he was fully man, so in his human form, he was fully weak like we are. But then as a fully man, he, he is also fully God. So he, has, he had all the powers to change his circumstances should he choose to. But he knew his role as the son of man, he has to suffer. He chose not to give in to the temptation. Now, son of man, our passage is full of all the special terms. Uh, son of man is the special term Jesus often used in reference to himself, particularly to describe his humanity. To, so, so here he is emphasizing that he, even though as the Messiah, even though he's the chosen, he's also the, the son of man. He is, like us, a human. He needs to go through all that he had just said as a man in order to complete his mission. And here, Peter was doing something similar to what Satan was doing 
trying to deter Jesus from his God-ordained purpose. But if Jesus didn't follow through his plan, he would have failed his mission. And those disciples he loved, the world he loved, would have died to their sins. So Jesus rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. I know what my mission was. I have in mind the concerns of God, but you only have in mind human concerns. You see, for, for Jesus to be successful, it was necessary for him to become lowly, to suffer, to be rejected, to be killed, but then to rise again in victory. And from what Jesus said to Peter, for Peter to be successful, for us to be successful, we are to have the same mindset as Christ. That's it. Are we like Peter, having in mind only human concerns? So we say or do things according to what we think is right or what makes sense to us, but without even the desire to know what God concerns. Uh, secondly, Jesus talked about the cost of success. Now, having, having rebuked, uh, rebuked Peter and reiterate what his mission is, Jesus then talked about what following him means. What does it take to be his disciples, to be his followers? And to be followers of Jesus, Jesus gave three criteria. Uh, verse 34, to deny themselves, to take up their cross, and to follow him. What does it mean to, to deny ourselves? To deny ourselves is to say no to our comfort, but yes to everything Jesus says. And I'm, I'm not saying we are all to become like hermits or monks and to start living an extreme, uh, disciplined kind of lifestyle. And nor was I saying that our God is a killjoy God, that we are to have no fun and live a life of self-denial. No, that, that, that wasn't what I mean. And remember last week, we learned about that God would be so happy for us when we are able to enjoy our lives, to be able to eat and drink and find satisfaction in all our labor. And that's the gift of God. So, so no, to, to deny ourselves here means that when there are conflicts or interests, we are to say yes to the concerns of God, but no to our own ways. Like in, in any lines of command in the military, we are to obey our superior officers, even when we don't always understand their tactics or their strategies. But hey, if you know that Jesus Christ, our Savior, uh, the, the anointed one, uh, and his motivation and his concern is always to love us, to look out for those under his care, would it be easier to obey even if we don't fully understand uh, what's going on with, with the bigger picture? Or even if we don't understand with, with what God's plan and his big plans. So to carry one's cross doesn't mean 
doesn't mean we necessarily be crucified on the cross like Jesus. Carrying the cross entails hardship, sweats, tears, or even being persecuted along the way. And it signifies the suffering that comes with the relationship with Jesus. And every true follower of Jesus will share his suffering. So to follow Jesus, verse 34, again, we have to deny ourselves, to carry our cross, and to follow him. Following literally means to move behind someone, heading towards the direction that person goes. So we go wherever Jesus goes. The word to follow also has the meaning of to comply with or to obey. So not only would we follow where he goes, we also believe every word, every promise he says, and obey him fully. And therefore, to be successful in following Jesus means we are to experience what he experienced. Uh, you will experience the power he gives you to be his disciple, to be his weaknesses. You experience the joy he experienced when you see relationships restored, when you see people healed, when you see lives changed. But you also experience suffering. We might not all die or be persecuted for being Christians, but I wonder if you've ever experienced any challenges following Jesus. Your friends at school might think you are a weirdo for holding on to Christian values or virtues, such as chastity, or loving your enemy, or for not even swear at other people. Or you might have been alienated by your family, uh, like my, my grandfather, when he first became Christian, he got kicked out of his house, uh, disowned by his parents, for abandoning the God his family worshipped. Or you might be missing out opportunities to be promoted in your workplace, because you always prioritize God over work socials. Uh, verse 34 and 35. Jesus was speaking to both his disciples and the crowd. So he was speaking to believers and non-believers alike. Uh, those who try to live life for themselves will eventually all die, even if they gained the whole world. They would die just like any other living beings, um, merely bios, from the word biology. But for those who gave their lives to Jesus, those who belong to Jesus. Even though we'd all die of this life one day, yet our souls are saved. We'll be alive with Jesus. We'll have Zoe. We have new life. So next time when you hear your friend's name Zoe, you know what that means. However, if you've never experienced any hardship in relation to following Jesus, there I challenge you to rethink and ask yourself, am I simply living my own life but I'm actually not following Jesus at all. And I'm not going where he goes. Oh, maybe I'm not even a Christian if I've never suffered. And to you who are not a Christian yet, it might sound scary to follow Jesus after what I said about all the sufferings. 
And you might not have prepared supper. It won't be easy at all. But trusting Jesus means you will be saved. You will have eternal life. Not just life on earth. You'll get to inherit the kingdom of heaven. You'll have Jesus with you to empower you to live a life that makes God proud. That makes God proud of you in this sinful and adulterous generation. And what does that look like? Thirdly, to be successful is to be proud of Jesus and his word. Have you ever had this experience? Uh, You're walking down the street with your siblings or your friends, good ones. And suddenly that person uh, did something really stupid or say something that's just inappropriate. And you just pretend that you don't know that person. Or another example, in, in, a, in a supermarket, uh, a little boy was throwing a temp- temper tantrum, rolling around on the floor. And you, you see his dad standing nearby, twiddling his thumb, pretending that this boy is not his son. When, when Ruth and I were doing student ministry on uh, university campuses, I loved um, to spot students sitting in groups, loved to go and engage with them, and asking them questions, getting to know them. And sometimes there might be one or two Christians sitting amongst that group of friends. And sometimes one of, one of the friends of this Christian would, would go, what? <laughs> I didn't know you were a Christian. Um, I love when that happens. I love to see those, those ninja Christians <laughs> surface and coming out from hiding. And I love to see, to watch how, um, how, how his or her friends, um, how, how they react to, to this discovery. And usually it's those so-called Christians who were embarrassed to talk about Jesus. Um, their non-Christian friends, on the other hand, we're usually more open and happier to talk about Jesus. And that's, that's quite weird, isn't it? I wonder why. Uh, tomorrow, the whole nation will be following the state funeral of Queen Elizabeth. She will be buried with her parents, sister, and husband at King George VI Memorial Chapel. Can you imagine what her epitaph will say about her? You saw it on TV. Uh, people queuing up. At one stage, I think last night, the, the, the queue was as long as five miles. I think 16 hours of waiting. Um, just to pay their respect or tribute to the queen. And I hope, I wonder if any of you here went and queued up for that. If you did, respect. <laughs> uh, they know Queen Elizabeth was a great, great queen. And they were so proud to be under her reign. They were so proud to, to call her their queen. There's no shame in that. People loved following the queen's footsteps. We loved following her example. And she was known to be very open about her faith. But just how open was she? Well, I think, I think you all know. It's, it's no secret. The queen had not been quiet at all about who she follows. As well as, as, well we, um, as we all remember 
from her many Christmas messages, she would talk very openly about her Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. How he changed her life and how her Lord Jesus Christ is her source of strength and inspiration. She also bravely urged everyone to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and to love their neighbors. So the queen certainly wasn't ashamed of Christ in this sinful and adulterous generation. What about you and I? Are we proud to identify ourselves as the followers of Christ? Just like the queen did. Or are we ninja Christians who people around us will never know what we believe or who we are as Christians? And I've mentioned about how um, sometimes we, we might feel embarrassed uh, or ashamed of being around someone, right? Uh, imagine the, the opposite. Maybe instead of being embarrassment, they did something praiseworthy and you turn to people around you and say, hey, that's my boy. Hey, that, that's my girl. I'm, 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 the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the dad. I'm so proud of them. <clears throat> um, the queen, like many faith heroes listed in Hebrews chapter 11, um, have a read in your own time later. Some of those faith heroes lived a long life like the queen. But many were persecuted. Some even suffered horrible death. They were seen as successful in God's eyes, not because of their earthly achievement, but because of their faith, because they were distinctive from this adulterous and sinful generation. The Bible described those faith heroes as one Um, the Bible describes them as one that God is not ashamed to be called their God and that the world was not worthy of them. Will we be called those whom the world is not worthy to have? Will we be successful in God's eyes? If you were to die tonight, will you have any regrets? How would you want to be remembered? What legacy are you leaving behind? Ash, the ninja Christian who washed dishes diligently for 50 years, but that's all people knew about him. Or, here lies Ted, at last he's dead. Or, Betty, the dentist, a woman of depravity, here, she's feeding her final cavity. Or do you want to be remembered as someone who's wholeheartedly followed Jesus and dedicated his or her life to love and serve those around them for 70 years, like the queen? Uh, let's take a moment of quiet and reflect on our own life, our relationship with Jesus. How are we doing in having the concerns of God. Do we even know what he concerns? If not, what could you do to help you know more? How are we doing in following Jesus? 
and how ashamed or not ashamed are you in, uh, of Jesus and his words in this world we live in? I pray in your own heart, answering some of those questions. I'll close our time in, in prayer in 30 seconds. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for having us in your mind, for sending Jesus to this sinful and adulterous world to die on behalf of our sins so that we might know you and have life. Help us, help us to know you more, to have in mind your concerns. And would you empower us to follow Jesus wholeheartedly? Give us, give us strength and boldness to live a distinctive life so that we can be bold and proud of the Savior, Lord Jesus, who we follow and everything that he says. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.